Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. What does it mean to judge somebody by the flesh? It means more than just the physical appearance. You're listening to Catasarca by Reverend Peter Yonker. Our scripture reading tonight is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 5, I'll be reading verses 11 through 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 17. Paul says, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we're giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. And if we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, We regard no one from an earthly point of view, excuse me, a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. This is the word of the Lord. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's what verse 16 says says in our passage, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Now, maybe those of you who are older here, and you know who you are, will remember that verse 16 used to be translated in a different way. And maybe you remember it in a different way. And I will confess that I am old enough to remember it in a different way. It used to be in the old Bibles, and the King James Version certainly is one of these, is that instead of saying, a worldly point of view, it says, we, now longer re- we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. According to the flesh. You remember that old way of saying it? And that, that word flesh is something that shows up all through Paul. According to the flesh was sort of a way that Paul had of speaking of things. And that translation, according to the flesh, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh, is actually a more literal translation of the Greek. The Greek here is, what my sermon title is, katasarka. Kata, according to, sarka, the flesh. Literally, we regard no one katasarka according to the flesh. Now, what does that phrase mean? What is Paul talking about when he says that we're in Christ, we don't look at anyone katasarka according to the flesh? At first, it sounds like, Paul means to say, and it is a way of looking at people, right? It's a way of framing the people and the world as you look at it. At first, it sounds like we're saying we're not looking at people according to their physical body. Flesh sounds like their physicality, but that's not quite right. When Paul talks about sarks, flesh, sarka, he doesn't mean a quality of your physical embodiment. He means a quality of your spirit. Almost every time Paul talks about the flesh, He's not talking about your physical body. He's talking about an attitude, a quality of your spirit. 
Well, what attitude is that? When I think of looking at something Katasarka, I think of the way I approached Sunday worship in my first year uh, when I was studying at Calvin College. Uh, when I used to go to Sunday worship, at least the first year that I was at Calvin, I would always go to the Knollcrest services. And those were services, that some of you will remember, that were held at 11 o'clock in the Fine Arts Center. And they were nice services. I, I went to them because they're very convenient, uh, close to my dorm. They always had good preachers. They would bring in great preachers. Uh, Dale Cooper often preached, and he was wonderful. And, uh, you know, it was 11 o'clock. You could sleep in a little bit. It was very ideal for me. So the services are really great, but one of the things I noticed is that while the students came there to worship, uh, they also, before they got to the service, put a lot of effort into their appearance. When those young people got to church, they looked really, really good. And it was pretty clear to me that when they came to church for these 11 o'clock services, they were there to worship, but they were also there to check each other out. They were there to be seen and to see. This is simply the truth. And I admit to my shame that when I realized that was happening, I joined in. This is the late 80s, so I started to pay close attention to how everyone was doing things so that I could play the game. And in the late 80s, it seemed like everyone favored uh, paisley shirts with big paisleys on them. So I went to a store called Chess King and bought myself a paisley shirt. I noticed that a lot of people were wearing slip-on loafers. That seemed to be in fashion, so I went and got myself a pair of slip-on loafers. And I also noticed that for some strange reason, these people would take a penny and they would put it in the flap of these loafers. I didn't understand that, but everyone else was doing it, so I put a penny in my loafers. And most strange of all, I noticed that a lot of these young men were wearing dress shoes without socks. I had never seen such a thing in my life. Who would wear dress shoes without socks? My mother would not approve, but my mother was not there to look over me. So one Sunday morning, I took a deep breath, took off my socks, put on my shoes, and went to church. Now, what does all this have to do with looking at people katasarka, according to the flesh? It's not the clothes so much. Wearing nice clothes, looking good for church, physical, being physically attractive, these are all good gifts. Beauty is a good gift of God. What was katasarka about the way I behaved in those situations and some of my friends behaved in those situations is where my attitude was rooted I was desperately seeking the approval of others. What was katasarka about my mindset was that as I went to church, my attention was rooted in being impressive. Katasarka, if we were to define it, is a constant display of human strength in an attempt to win human approval to gain position and status. So katasarka is a, common, is a constant display of some sort of human strength to gain human approval so that we can maintain or gain human status. That's living according to the flesh. That's looking at others from a worldly point of view. And this goes beyond physical appearance, of course. I gave an example of physical beauty as a way to look at others according to the flesh, but I also remember in college that sometimes people looked at people, others, katasarka, in the intellectual realm. 
in my upper-level English classes or my upper-level philosophy classes, uh, sometimes people would raise their hand and ask questions that weren't really questions. They were really uh, ways to share their knowledge with the rest of the class. Professor, isn't that the same thing that Kierkegaard said in Sickness Unto Death? Professor, isn't this the same image that T.S. Eliot uses in The Wasteland? These people weren't really interested in finding truth and deepening their knowledge. They wanted to drop a name so that others around them would see how much they knew. They were trying to gain human approval by using human strength. They were living, framing others, Katasarka. Katasarka shows up in the intellectual realm, the physical realm, the realm of athletics, shows up in the subtle jockeying for social status that you see in people all the time. Sometimes when I was in college, the attitude was strong. Sometimes it was weaker, but it was always there, and it was always completely exhausting. Now, when I was 20-something, I thought that by the time I got to the age I am now, mid-50s, that I wouldn't be playing this game anymore that Katasarka wouldn't be part of the way I looked at the world and the way people, my peers, looked at the world. I was wrong about that. All around me and all around you, people are still doing this. They're not doing this according to the same standards as when I was in college, but people are still constantly measuring each other according to human strength so they can win human approval and gain status. That game is still being played all the time. And I also know that when I get to Raybrook or Beacon Hill or Sunset or whatever it is I end up, the game will be played there too. It never stops and it is exhausting. Paul knows about Katasarka and Paul speaks out against Katasarka because the church in Corinth was judging him according to the flesh. Paul spends much of his letter to the second, second letter to the Corinthians defending his apostleship and his right to speak for the church because apparently there were a lot of people in that congregation who looked at Paul according to the flesh and didn't think he measured up and therefore didn't think he was worth listening to. They acknowledge, if you go to verse 10, chapter 10, you hear this, they acknowledge, for example, that his letters are weighty and strong, but... They say this about Paul in chapter 10. His bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. It's a very poor sermon review. According to the flesh, Paul is not measuring up to them. And actually, there are other sources, extra-biblical sources, that confirm that maybe Paul was not all that impressive in the flesh. There's a, a document called the Acts of Paul, a second century document that describes Paul this way. A man of small size, bald-headed and bandy-legged, with eyebrows meeting and a rather hooked nose. So people were looking at Paul and said, that bandy-legged, bald-headed guy, he can't preach his way out of a paper bag. We don't listen to him. Because these others were coming into town, these other preachers, and they were much better looking, and they were way more polished, and their sermons just flowed, and they drew huge crowds. If they were like the captain of the football team, Paul was like the secretary of the chess club. 
So there was a good deal of catasarca judgment going on, and Paul was on the wrong side of that. How does Paul react to those judgments? Well, first of all, how do we react when we sense that someone is looking at us according to the flesh and wondering if we measure up? Usually, what we do, what I do, is we discern the standard of judgment they're using, and we try to raise our game in that area. So if someone thinks that we look, our appearance isn't up to snuff, we try to look better. Or if someone thinks that our intellect isn't up to snuff, we try to appear or get more intelligent. If the game is looking at people katasarka, we jump in and we try to play according to their rules. Paul will not play according to their rules. He simply refuses to play the katasarka game. I'm not doing that, he says. From now on, I regard no one from a worldly point of view. Even though we once knew Christ that way, we do no longer. I used to play the status game. In fact, I was the best at it. Philippians 3, I was a champion at it. There was no one better than me. If anyone thinks, Philippians 3 verse 4 now, if anyone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, that's the word he uses, I have more. The status game Paul played was righteousness. He was the most pious, the most Jewish, the best Pharisee, the smartest guy in the room. And when he judged others according to that standard of law-abiding piety, he was on top of the heap. When he looked at Jesus according to that standard, in his view, Jesus was a heretic and a loser. But as we heard this morning, the Damascus Road changed that completely. I no longer look at Christ that way, and I don't play Katasarka anymore. Paul doesn't just dismiss the Katasarka attitude. He lifts up an entirely different way of looking at life. Instead of looking at other people Katasarka, he wants them to look at other people according to the resurrection. Not Katasarka, Katarresurrection. From now on, we regard no one from an earthly point of view. If anyone is in Christ, we see them as a new creation. This text is part of a section, a beautiful section of 2 Corinthians. It goes from about 2 Corinthians 4 to 2 Corinthians 6. And if you read that whole section, and it's one of my favorite sections of Scripture to read for devotions, if you read that section you will hear Paul constantly comparing two sides of human nature. He talks about the old side of human nature, which is the katasarka part, that's always trying to compete and always trying to be strong. And here's what he says about that part of human nature. He says, that part of us is wasting away, 4 verse 16. That part of us is a clay jar, 4 verse 7. That part of us is like an old tent, 5 verse 4. On the other hand, you have this new self, the self that you were baptized into, your in Christ self. And that part of you is gradually starting to grow. That part of you is, Paul's words, being renewed day by day. That part of you is being changed from one degree of glory to the next. That part of you is becoming a heavenly dwelling in which God is living by his spirit. That part of you is becoming a new creation. And Paul's vision and hope in this chapter 
is that little by little, day by day, we will stop looking at people, katasarka, and start looking at other people according to the resurrection. The person who hurt you that one time. Not a hateful person, but a person intensely loved by Jesus and a new creation. That person whose political opinions are so different than yours and whose opinions drive you crazy. Not a lunatic, but a person intensely loved by Jesus and a new creation. That person in your small group who drives you crazy and you have a hard time being with. Not a bore, but a person intensely loved by Jesus and a new creation. That person in your family who's let you down so many times. Person loved by Jesus and a new creation. And, maybe most important of all, that person who looks at you in the mirror every morning when you brush your teeth. That person in that mirror who's let you down so many times. Not a failure, but a person intensely loved by Jesus and a new creation. It's a work in progress, right? I doubt that any of us completely look at each other that way. I know I don't. I still struggle with the Katasarka game, but once in a while in this world, that new creation life breaks through and I can see it. For me, I remember one of those times where that, that new life broke through it was years ago when I was watching a newscast of Pope John Paul II towards the end of his life. Uh, John Paul II died in 2005, so I'm guessing this was a video from 2004. And as you remember, John Paul II, of course, was very sick. He had uh, very bad Parkinson's at the end of his life, and he was completely infirm. He could hardly talk. He moved his arms, but not very much, and he was in a wheelchair. And, of course, a lot of the people in the world said, why is that old man still Pope? What is the matter with him? He shouldn't be Pope. He's too weak. He's too, he's, he should be out of there. He's just clinging on to power. They were looking at him, of course, Katasarka, right? According to the flesh, this man should not be the leader of the Catholic Church. But the Catholic Church, to their credit, said, no, there's other ways to look at people. There's other ways to measure things besides according to the flesh. And so John Paul stayed there. And in one of his last public appearances, uh, he was on the, the balcony at the Vatican with two little children, and the, they were supposed to release a dove to symbolize peace. It was like the International Day of Peace, and they're going to release this dove. And so the idea was that this dove would fly, you know, sort of beautifully up into the sky, and it would be a symbol of peace, and everybody would be moved. But what happened instead is that when they released the dove, the dove flapped a little and came back and sat in the windowsill and wouldn't leave. So the kids tried to shoot away. The dove flapped around a little bit more and came back. And they kept trying to shoo it, and so the kids were shooing the dove, and John Paul was shooing the dove, and that dove would not leave. It was a hilarious scene, which is why it made the news. And here's what I saw. The children were laughing. The old dying pope was laughing. The air was filled with these bright white wings. And over everything, with the one hand that still worked, John Paul was making the sign of the cross over the bird, over the children, over the people in the square, and over the world. 
In that moment for me, it was so clear that there is something powerful and beautiful in this world that is in Christ that is so much greater than the flesh. There is a joy that is ours that can only be ours in Christ that nothing fleshy can ever overcome. In that moment, it seemed to me that if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your salvation. We return to that stream again today as we do every week because that's where all our hope comes from. Or do you know that the fleshy games that get played out in the world wear us down, Lord, and you know that sometimes we get caught up in them, but today here in this place, sitting at your feet, we drink from your stream, we root ourselves in you, and we know ourselves as your children. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.